360Ed TV is brought to you by Rice Studios and Agility. Today we have Rick Ede with us. Rick is the CEO of Unitech. Uh, and Rick, uh, as a CEO of Unitech, you've had, gee, the best part of a, a decade now at the helm of, of that polytechnic. It's the largest uh, training provider uh, of vocational applied training in New Zealand. Um, it's a learning community of 20,000 plus students. You, that they, they come from a really culturally diverse background, geographically challenging. Um, students coming from a whole variety of, of different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. Your staff and your students are trying to navigate a very complex nexus of technological, social and economic forces. Um, Rick, if you could cast your mind back over this period, I've got a couple of questions for you. What have, been, have there been any constants that have guided your work and kept you and the team on the path that you felt has been truest for Unitech? Well, Tony, I, I think the, the first thing that has been a constant is always listen to your customers. And for us, you know, that's, there's, there's two groups of customers I mean there. And the first, of course, is our students. It's actually, you know, understanding and embracing that amazing diversity. Um, you know, Auckland is one of the most, um, you know, ethnically diverse cities in the world. Um, we have international students from over 80 countries around across the planet. And it's staying connected to their needs, their aspirations, their wants, understanding, you know, their generations that they come from. You know, we have students from 16 to 80. Um, so it's, it's realising there isn't, you know, an average student. Mm. Um, you know, for us, more than anything else, it's, it's just this recognising that, that we have to think of them as, you know, from their individual context, their individual backgrounds and their individual aspirations. Yeah. And the other part of it is is listening to our other customers, of course, and those are the industry and the employers, and and kind of walking in their shoes and understanding what are their challenges, what are they trying to do and trying to attract the talent they need, what what are their business challenges around how their organisations and businesses are changing into the future, and kind of now more than ever, you know, they themselves are, are looking at the at the world and and going, you know almost WTF, what's going on here? There's this massive wave of disruption, new technology, data, analytics, uh, robotics, um, you know, much more, much higher cybersecurity threat. You know, the, the whole digital disruption is, is causing industries, businesses across New Zealand to kind of go, what do I do? And so, you know, we have to be really tuned to that and we have to really tune to the, to our students, and just by staying in tune, you know, for me, that's that's more than half the battle. You know, the other half is then connecting that back into our people and and kind of bringing them along on that on that journey that our students and our employers are going on. And and that 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 word journey keeps coming back all the time when uh, across so many of, of of the interviews that we've had this year, uh, and the recognition that. And it's interesting you used the term customer. Uh, we, we talk about student customers. Uh, you're right. 
they're particularly savvy uh, consumers now, and we need to think of them in those terms. But because this is such a core piece to their lives, we have to think of it more as, as a journey because this has to be a part of what they're doing as they evolve from a different points uh, across their life uh, journey. So where education plugs into that is quite powerful uh, and it creates a, a really strong bond if we do it right. Rick, you talked about a lot of key disruptors there before and the challenges of connecting with consumers. Um, what did you learn from those challenges? Is there something that, that you would see as a really important lesson to take away from that? Oh, look, I think really to, to start with it, it's, you know, that those, those lessons are important and you can't ignore them. You know, we, we can, I think, as an education sector, education industry, call it what you like, you know, there's, there's massive legacy uh, values at play. There are massive, you know, legacies around our investments and our campuses and facilities and and even the legacy around the identity of the teaching profession. And yes. we have to respect that. We have to acknowledge that and honor that and, and see the value in it. However, now more than ever, we have to realize that actually, if we look at just about any industry on the planet, you know, if, if you hold too much to your legacy of, of what you do, you run massive risks of being bypassed. It's yeah. really good to hold on to your legacy of why you do it. Now, for me, that's kind of your core, core, core purpose, core reason for being. Hold on to that by all means, but but always be prepared to adapt to the what and the how. And yeah. and so for me, it's it's saying, you know, Unitech was created. Well, we're relatively young, only 40 years old, but on the other hand, we've kind of evolved out of a an institution that can date back over a hundred years, and and our core purpose hasn't changed. You know, really, it's about it's about applied learning. It's about helping people get great jobs, and it's about equity of access. About being able to provide a place to start for anybody. Um, but for us, it's how we go about doing that in the face of you know our our learners and and our and the employers. That has to change. And yeah, you know, for me, that's that's the core mission. Rick, the points you've made are, are really salient. Um, and today's learning organisations, they struggle with the need to deliver you know, technology-rich learning environments um, to an increasingly savvy consumer student, if you like. And those students demand greater program choice and flexibility of mode. And they expect, uh, and, and particularly here in Australia, the rhetoric is very much today around how does this now get me to my next job? What's the link with industry? What's the link to my career? Um, you talked about the history of Unitech. Do you think Unitech is able to take a more creative and maybe innovative approach than, say, a more traditional university? Look, short answer, yes, I do. Um, and and it's kind of interesting, sort of linking back to our, our history. Our Unitech's been a while trying to become a university um, and um, with some really a really – this was before my time. I thought a really strong case, but when I joined as a chief executive in in two thousand eight, I could I could kind of um, feel the university culture kind of permeate permeate the place. And and interestingly, 
you know, the feedback I was getting when I, when I went out and, and talked to, you know, our stakeholders and to, about, about what they wanted from an institution like Unitech, it was kind of like, well, we don't want you to be a university. We don't want you to behave like a university. We actually value you for what it was that you used to do. Um, and, and so for, for me, it, it was actually about kind of back to the future in the context of, of our purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, it was putting it into a modern, a modern context. And compared to the universities, you know, I, I believe they, they face some really you know, awkward challenges because actually you know, they define themselves around research excellence, all of the sort of funding, the funding rules, the, the, the whole university ranking system, everything drives them to that focus on you know, being a research lead institution. And you know, there's a place for that, no doubt about it. But for Unitech, for our, for our other polytechnics in, in New Zealand, and I, I think the same applies to the, to the TAFEs and, and, and institutions, vocational institutions in Australia, you know, our, our core business is actually teaching and learning. Our core business is actually how do you, you know, facilitate people through that learning journey with the end destination, as you noted, of being a job. So in a way, I believe we've kind of got a, a clearer mission, a clearer purpose that, that helps us stay focused. Sure, we do research. We, we, in New Zealand, if you want to offer degrees, you have to be research active. Um, and we've got some really, really cool stuff going on there. But it's, you know, there it's in support of our primary mission, teaching and learning. Um, and so again, if we can remember that and focus on that, uh, that'll always help us to stay, to stay relevant and to be able to flex, adapt, respond, change according to the needs of the market. So I guess in a sense, they're the places where Unitech can start to build competitive advantages in places where other providers can't. You have the scale, you have the reach, but you're also unencumbered by uh, that overlay of research and teaching and learning that the universities need to always contend with. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a potential competitive advantage. Obviously, it, it becomes real when you can actually execute it in, in its, you know, in its fullness. And you know, again, our scale in some ways is an advantage, in some ways it's a disadvantage. It can make it, you know, difficult. As anyone who who leads a large organisation knows, you know, getting getting that that collective action can sometimes be be a challenge. But essentially, you're right that um, you know we we can, you know, again, if we stay focused. Um, and we stay connected to what our learners need, what our employers need, and the emerging trends around modern pedagogy, then that will that will help us win. There's no doubt about it. Well, thank you. No, it's, 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 I, I think you're right. There's, and I think also there's a, a management agility which um, uh, that uh, Unitex or the Polytechnics are able to bring in ways that some of the large universities do struggle with just because of the, the, the bulk. It's also interesting to note that you know, the polytechnics in New Zealand are probably funded um, to about half the level per equivalent full-time student that universities are, if you kind of look at the, the numbers. And so there's a very famous quote attributed to Sir Ernest Rutherford, um, you know, very famous Kiwi, um, split the atom and so on, who said, you know, well, coming from New Zealand, because we didn't have any money, we had to think. And um, you know, I, I think that scarcity of resource, if you like, for the for the uh, vocational sector in New Zealand does force us 
to be more innovative in the way we go about doing things. We, we've kind of got no choice. I, th I think that I think there's a I think that permeates more broadly through the the, the, the Kiwi character actually. Um, be it kicking the Yanks uh, um, at uh, uh, in, in 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 sailing or uh, whatever. I think there's there's a very strong um, sense of of capacity that Kiwis bring to the table. It's a, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, yeah. Cheers to that, Tony. <laughs> Mate, that's okay. Stop showing off. But look, I, I, I did. I'll, I'll shut up. We'll go to the next question. I should have <laughs> here, shouldn't I? So I wanted to touch on uh, the evolving nature of work, um, Rick. Um, we've got ubiquitous robotics. We've got machine learning and artificial intelligence. And they've been really major themes in a lot of our conversations this year. Um, many leaders have reflected on the impact of these forces within their institutions, within their, their businesses, and many of those were startups. In the main, um, and this is my view, in the main, I think the Australian vocational sector has been quite slow to leverage the affordances that come from technology. And we really haven't necessarily grappled with and engaged proactively with the pedagogical and product uh, renewal that's needed to grow and thrive in a 21st century environment. Ultimately, I think the sector uh, has been unable to sustainably improve its value proposition um, in an increasingly competitive space. We've seen private providers come in, empires have been built, they've fallen. But at the end of the day, I don't know that the vocational sector here in Australia has fundamentally changed and embraced technology and pedagogical change. How's New Zealand approached those challenges? Um, do you feel you're better positioned uh, than where you were say, five years ago? Look, are we better positioned now than five years ago? I think the answer is yes. But I I actually believe the point you're making applies pretty much, pretty well as much to New Zealand as it does Australia. Um, you know, I think the sector, the system has been slow to adapt and respond. Institu institutions are, I'd say, kind of dabbling in this, in this space, testing the water. Um, but equally, I'd say, generally speaking, in, in New Zealand, and I suspect the same could be true in Australia, the industry, our, our industries are the same. You know, they're sort of putting cautious toes in the water. But it's, you know, it's the startup community, the entrepreneurs that are leaping into this, you know, boots and all. And yes. so there is a thriving community of, of startup entrepreneurs, you know, emergent businesses that see these opportunities in, in spades and are um, you know, really, really going hard out there. The larger legacy businesses, legacy providers, and, and I count Unitech in that space too. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's actually quite a challenge to, you know, and it's, it's, it's actually about how you bring rapid innovation you know, and overlay that into, into a large organisation. I'd say kind of any, any large business is, is grappling with that, um, and the the businesses that are embracing it are those that have kind of grown up with it. Um, you know, and and so I think it's a it's a challenge for the education sector, and it's the same challenge for for business more broadly in, in both countries. I'd suggest. So Rick, um, another recurring theme is work integrated learning over here, and um, it's becoming a point of differentiation. Uh, between many of the providers. We're actually starting to see now 
uh, as part of the advertising for Swinburne or RMIT or someone else, we're seeing this very specific focus around work integrated learning, connection of what you're learning with job readiness and then securing that role. It's a really interesting change in the last 12 months in the advertising here. Um, so I'm interested in Unitech's uh, Living Job Initiative. Can you paint us a picture of what that yeah. program's doing? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, so, so firstly, I'd, I'd say around the whole, you know, work integrated learning, I'd, I'd, again, I think, yeah, it's interesting to see the Australian universities leaping into that space, and I'd say the New Zealand universities are uh, there too. I mean, I'd, I'll simply say for the, the Polytechnics, the Institutes of Technology, well, welcome to our world, guys. You're only about 15 years too late. <laughs> You're exactly, it's so true, it's so true. And I don't know that the, the dual sectors over here are necessarily yeah. leveraging those lessons from their TAFE uh, brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, this is a personal opinion and a generalisation, and I, I'll apologise in advance if I offend any of those institutions, but I think that that kind of links back to that, I think, perceived hierarchy of uh, you know, status between the university end and the and the the vocational end of those, those dual sector institutions. Because if you think about it in the context, Unitech, um, I actually think across Australasia, probably Unitech and what is now AUT University actually pioneered the whole model of, of dual sector um, right back in the in the um, late 80s and, and early 90s. Um, and so we've been in that mode for some time, obviously AUT and our university. And so I'd, I'd, call, I'd call Unitech, if you like, in the Australian context, we're a... Um, we're a dual sector polytechnic. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we offer higher education and, and vocational. You know, we're by legislation we're a polytechnic, but um, you know, anyway. So, so putting that to one side, you know, the the learning integrated, you know, the work integrated learning, and and also we've actually coined a new phrase, and we're going to copyright this. You heard it here: learning integrated work. Um, you know, flipping flipping that that around. Um, Very you know, good. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. You know, is is actually um, you know a, a, a much stronger theme. I think we're seeing kind of if you like, particularly as I think in the undergraduate end of the university, the vocationalising of that um, in response to market market forces, um, and and so yeah, for us it's kind of core business. But even then, in that context, we just don't go far enough as an institution. I think we're still too tentative. I still believe, in this personal opinion, that that it's seen as a sort of second-class cousin in in the um, uh, or a poor cousin, if you like, in the um, um, from a perspective of teaching and learning. Um, and and so I, I think it's a cultural challenge in our even in our own institution to actually not just sort of um, splash around in the in the shallow end of that pool, but to to really commit. And that's certainly one of the challenges I've set my team at Unitech is is let's let's you know mean what we say around our focus on that and be much more authentic about about deep partnerships um, with with industry partners that that do embed the learning and the working do inter interleave the learning and the working much more closely together. Rick, I think I, th I think your um, your point about um Putting your money where your mouth is 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 spot on, um, particularly in light of what you're doing through the Mind Lab, and I think you're up around is it three thousand postgrad scholarships now in the teaching space. Um, 
I'd be interested to know if there's any universities who have committed those sorts of resources, capacity and investment. And I'm sure research comes out of that. But I'd be wondering if anyone else has made that sort of commitment in the space uh, on that side of the ditch. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not aware of it. I mean, I might be might be wrong, but but for us, our our partnership with um, Francis Valentine, who I'd say is one of you know, New Zealand's leading she's probably New Zealand's leading educational entrepreneur, was was really again another part of of a, a, you know, our strategy of how do we take a, a large public sector education institution on a on a journey of transformation and and sort of relevance and flexibility and adaptiveness and so. You know, what we did there was well, we can try and change ourselves, or we can also partner. And so, um, when Frances approached me uh, several years ago, when she'd set up the Mind Lab, primarily aimed at kids, and and that was how do you create a really fun, engaging, immersive experience in technology, you know, coding, robotics, you know, gaming, animation, that that made tech fun and engaging and basically taught it the opposite of the way that schools teach it. Um, and, and in doing so, when she was bringing class loads of kids into the lab, the teachers who came along were having these kind of you know, um, mind-altering moments when they saw that this stuff could be fun, that it was actually quite accessible, but they had these um, really scary moments of saying, but, but nobody has provided us with the training, the professional development, to know how to make the use of make, make the most out of this. How do we teach these kids? How do we engage in technology? And so that was the opportunity. And so um, Unitech had developed a, a really flexible professional development postgraduate qualification framework, and um, kind of a perfect marriage. Um, Francis had the opportunity and the, and the flexibility we had the qualification, we put the two together and developed a, a bespoke professional development postgraduate certificate aimed at, at teachers in, in collaborative and digital learning. And so um, we set the whole thing up so that a teacher could take this program on the job. They didn't have to take a single hour off work. It was blended learning model, um, you know, collaborative workshops, online, and the whole assessment was around how they put that into practice in their own classroom. So completely designed around their working environment and to be applied into their working environment. And so sort of three years on, we've now, I think, got about, had 3,000 teachers go through the program. It's attracted a, a major charitable foundation to help cover the fees for, for the teachers. Um, we teach from the top end of New Zealand to the very south end. And you know, the demand is, is undiminished. There are something like 60,000 teachers in the public education system. You know, we, we would, we, we're trying to get to 20% you know, of them if we possibly can, and that hopefully will create a nucleus of change. So, um, and it's recognising that the kids are already there. The kids are coming up through the digital natives. They work this way. They learn this way already. It's how do we help the teachers um, come along on that ride. And giving teachers that, that capacity to um, not control, but be able to facilitate confidently, to be conversational with kids 
around those kinds of tasks is so important because, as we said earlier, um, before we actually started the the, uh, the interview tonight, we talked about that confidence that teachers uh, need to have and that renewal of profession and that renewal of practice and these sorts of ways is so critical. Um, speaking of getting the word out, Rick, uh, you're speaking at the Digital Campus and Blended Learning Innovation Conference in Auckland. Your session sounds intriguing. I'm just looking at the, the title here. Embedding flexible and blended learning at Unitech is like learning how to fly a yacht. Now, I'm sure there's... Uh, I'm, I'm keen to understand the nautical theme here. Tell me well, about actually, it. Well, you, actually, um, you, you actually called it before, Tony, when you talked about uh, the Kiwis and the America's Cup. Um, <laughs> if you look at, at the uh, latest America's Cup in Bermuda, that I wrote, New Zealand won, by the way. Um, yeah, that that was around only human after all, Rick. Only human. In, incredible foiling catamarans. Um, that um, and if we, if we think back, a, just a few years in the America's Cup, we had these amazing you know monohull yachts that were the pinnacle of sailing technology, the latest materials, um, incredibly fast boats, lots of technology in them. But if you actually kind of peeled it all back, they were the same underlying sailing craft, um, Bermuda rigged, that were invented in Bermuda in, I think, the 1700s. Um, and so for me, the, the kind of metaphor there was that's kind of education today, that, that there's some cool technology around it, but if you actually peel it back, it's the same model that, that has been in, in play for centuries. For these new catamarans, um, you know, they've got in the New Zealand boat, you know, they've had a bunch of cyclists on there providing the power. You know, they controlled the whole thing from a PlayStation type type module. It brought a whole lot of new skills, um, new technologies from other industries into this sailing craft that you know travelled at speeds you know twice or three times the speed of the yacht, um, flew above the water. Uh, but also was much riskier to sail, needed a completely different skill set, um, could occasionally crash if you got it wrong. And, and in a way, I think, you know, for me, the, the story was around this is, this is what it's like trying to navigate into the new world of, of teaching and learning and education, that, that we need to, as an industry, to adopt ideas, technology, skills from other industries bring those together with the very best of our own uh, and kind of work out a new way of sailing um, if we're going to succeed. So that was, that's kind of the theme, and I'll expand on that in my talk. Mate, that hangs together very, very well, I have to say. You clearly thought about it. <laughs> you, you, you'll have to have another glass of red after this. I believe you're going to be sharing a case study uh, that's focused on enabling learners to prepare for a less certain future of work. What, what can attendees who get to your session, um, what will they hear? Well, I mean, really, it'll, it'll be about the, the journey that Unitech's gone on, or you know, its transformation. In many respects, it's, it's sort of some of the, the themes that we've talked about in this, in this session together. Um, you know, how do we take a large organisation on this, on this journey? Um, some examples of some of the things we've tried that have worked and some of the things we've tried that haven't worked. You know, we've had a few crashes along, along the way. Um, but I think we've also um, dispelled a, you know, a few myths as well. And, and again, you know, the Mind Lab is a, is a classic example. So, um, you know, if we look at 
at, so Unitech is a 50% co-owner of the Mind Lab. Over the last few years, I've had over 100,000 kids through their doors and in the whole kids program. Mm. We've got 3,000 teachers through that program. So if we stand back, so here we are, Unitech, a polytechnic, um, has now, is now effectively, through its partnership with the Mind Lab, the, the largest teacher of children in New Zealand and offers the largest postgraduate program in New Zealand. And we're not a school and we're not a university. So kind of that, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, and I think that that is all the, all of the things we talk about in terms of disruption, different models, innovative approaches. Uh, you know, you've re really looked to reskin the cat in a totally different way. And I think to, and I remember uh, when we were doing some business uh, a few years ago, Rick, I got to walk around uh, one of your large areas where the students were coming in and building. They were doing frames and doing a whole, a whole heap around carpentry and fitting out buildings. And those buildings were then, were then shipped out uh, to communities for use. Uh, and I thought that was pretty innovative. But what you've just talked about really has just flipped, I guess, the traditional approach to training a profession in a totally different way. So very interesting. Well, yeah, and that's right. And it's really cool to see now with that that team and those, those um, you know, the buildings. Yeah, we've just actually um, this year opened our brand new. Um, engineering and trades building. Um, we still build the houses, but the team there have done some fantastic work about bringing augmented reality into that that experience. Um, um, we're making much more use of virtual reality in, in that space. So again, coming back to the new technologies, the things that are infusing the rest of, of the world, um, you know, I'm really proud of the way, and, and it's really interesting you know, that it's our, our trades area have been some of the, you know, which you often think is a very traditional uh, training environment. They have been, you know, some of the teams who have been the most enthusiastic in embracing, you know, new pedagogies and new technologies and blending those in to, to give a better result actually for the for the training outcomes and and for the and, and around student engagement. That's a good point. Look, I guess. Uh, we're coming to the end of our time, and I guess I just wanted to pick your brains on a couple of things. Um, and you've been with Unitech now 10 years, and you know during that time you've had a lot of opportunity to provide critical inputs to, you know, to government, and you've you know, no doubt had some impact at the national level in, in terms of agendas. Uh, and I understand you're stepping down next year. Um, it'll be a sad day for Unitech, but I, I guess you know you're going to take the take a, a moment in time to reflect on what you've been doing at Unitech. It's been an incredible journey. Um, there's been a lot of change there, but I'd like to encourage a little bit of reflection now, if I could. Um, and I, I guess across your broader career, not just Unitech, um, what are you most proud of? Oh, boy. Um, oh look, certainly I, I think I'm, I'm certainly most proud of, of um, the things that we've done together at, at Unitech as a, as a team. Um, you know, the, the fact that we had the courage as an organisation to jump boots and all into a very uncertain future and say, you know, we could nibble away at the edges of this, we could dip a toe in the water of, of trying to change what we do, but um, collectively we have gone on this, you know, incredibly exciting, sometimes amazingly frustrating, very difficult journey of, 
of trying to take a very large public organization into the 21st century to, to ma maintain our relevance. And that that has, you know, blood, sweat and tears is pretty much <laughs> is, is a description of that of that journey. It has been tough. But um, the, the, the little green shoots of, of the success stories, like the Mind Lab, like seeing how um, you know, our, our great teachers and our, you know, our expert teachers who really get this stuff and, and ignite our students' passions and, and you know, the, um, take them on that journey. Um, that, that's by far the thing I'm most, most proud of. The, the whole reason we exist as an organisation is the thing yes. I'm most, most proud of, yeah. Uh, thank you. Rick, what surprised you? What's most, what surprised you the most over the journey? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, good, good question. Um, oh, look, I'd, I'd say the thing that surprised me is that um, we, we can always go even further and even faster than we actually thought we could. Um, that um, in spite of me trying to push the boat out in terms of what we can do, the thing that's well, it both surprised and you know, humbled me is, is the fact that somebody in the organisation said, hey, actually, I think we can go one better than that. Um, and so I'd put that in both the surprise and delight category that, that um, you know, there, there are, there's, there's, there's people out there that really get it and want us to go even faster. And that's, that's just terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Um, your point about it being humbling when you see the capacity of people reciprocating in a sense for the enthusiasm and the, and the 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 enablement that you bring, and when they turn that around and they just exceed all expectations, those are humbling moments when you reflect back on them. So, Rick, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. I wish I was there having a read with you. It looks rather <laughs> good. I can almost smell it from here, mate. Well, it's actually a nice Aussie Shiraz, I would say. So, uh, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Tony. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation.